Every aspect of your e-commerce business impacts customer experience. From advertising and packaging, to product functionality, website usability, and even reliability. Your long-term growth and profitability will hinge on your ability to deliver the best experience for your buyers. And this podcast will show you how. Tune in monthly for actionable and insightful discussions with the brightest minds at the intersection of e-commerce and customer experience. Welcome to the e-commerce customer experience podcast presented by Digital Genius. I'm your host, Chris Kellner. Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of the e-commerce customer experience podcast. Last time, we had a fascinating conversation learning all about Paul Davis and Shoe AI and the future of technology when it comes to shoes. Today, I'm pleased to welcome Michelle Spell today as my guest. Michelle, could you tell our audience a little bit about what you do? Well, I'm an independent customer experience consultant. I help businesses mainly think about their customers, change what they're doing to meet customer needs, and then work out how they can use that enhanced customer experience to make more money, become more resilient, have sustainable growth. That's a very succinct, good description of what you do. I like <laughs> I've that. Practiced it. <laughs> yeah, Michelle, just talk us through what's been the. It's always interesting to hear for because I don't think CX is a pretty new industry. You know, to hear kind of your journey on on how you got to where you are today. Well, you're right that CX is a new industry, but the precursors of customer experience go right back to. Japan, straight after the Second World War, and a chap called Demin who went out to Japan to because he wasn't being listened to in America, and he helped the Japanese industry grow, as we know. But uh, part of what he said was, we have to meet our customers' needs, and he called that quality. And my background back in the 90s was quality, and I was asked to run a project in Philips to understand why people were returning kettles. I think they started thinking it would be a technical project. But what I said was I needed to speak to customers and understand why customers are returning kettles. Not what's wrong with the kettles, but what are customers thinking and feeling about this product? So I introduced what would now be called a lot of listening posts, spoke to a lot of people and initiated a huge number of product changes for our existing range and kind of design rules for future products, which resulted in a £1.8 million saving per year for Philips, just on returns, but more importantly, uh, revived their reputation in the market, built customer loyalty. So that was back in 92 to 94. And to be honest with you, I was hooked. So when other people started saying, this is CX, I kind of knew what I wanted to do. Okay. And what kind of inspired you to kind of to go out on your own? Well, I worked in the industry for such a long time and I loved it. I mean, I've, I've had such amazing experiences, met amazing people, learned so much. But I just kind of felt that it was time to be able to do things my way and put my learning together for me almost, but knowing that it will benefit my clients. Can you talk us through a little bit more about um, what does Delta Swan actually do? Well, I think one of the key things is that I believe that customer experience is a lever to business growth. I'd love every business in the world just to be customer focused. But the simple fact is that they're not and they're unlikely to be because very few founders 
create a business to be customer focused. They create a business to explore their passion and make money for it from it. So Delta Swan is about how do we use customer experience as a lever on growth and how do we ensure that businesses balance customer experience, business needs and employee engagement to build a strong business that is, as I said before, resilient for the future. And I use a lot of tools and techniques, but I'm not, I don't just use the typical CX tools and techniques. I am a change manager. I am a project manager. So I bring a lot of those skills in, a lot of things about engaging people in change, about organizing change for it to be more effective. I'm also very passionate about ensuring that we and get, we as CX professionals engage with other parts of the organization to help them do their jobs. So I have, I'm an executive editor for the CXPA's monograph series on establishing effective collaboration and customer experience, which is a set of documents that explain how we can be collaborative in cross-functional teams. I think it's particularly important today where we see customer experience people not knowing how to pivot in the current economic environment. When businesses need to reduce costs, customer experience can flounder. But as I said before, my very first customer experience project was a cost reduction project. So it's about bringing those skills and those perspectives, especially that business acumen, to bear on what can be a bit of a pink, fluffy subject. What would you say? You obviously work with a lot of different organisations, different shapes, different sizes, different industries. You know, what are the challenges that you typically come into that you that you have to overcome? I think it's often about leadership and that there's a bias that once we've become good at one thing, we assume that we're good at all things. And business leaders are generally people who are almost a jack of all trades. They have many, many skills that they've built up. And because customer experience hasn't been spoken about as a specific skill in leadership and in business management people assume they can do it and they can be quite upset if you dare to suggest their customer experience isn't very good so there's a brilliant statistic from Bain uh, who are a customer experience consultancy and they spoke to CEOs in the states of large consumer-based organizations and said how good is your CX and 80% of them said oh it's exemplary The thing was only 8% of their customers agreed. And I think that perception gap, that 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 idea that customer experience is something you have to intentionally manage, that you have to step out of your business and look at it from a customer's perspective, I think that is actually quite difficult for people to do when they're busy, when they've been successful, when they have passions and skills in other areas. Interesting. Yeah, I think we, we've talked about that on some previous episodes where getting the leaders to really appreciate how important CX is and why it should be taken into account is, is, is such a critical component of anybody in CX and is always a challenge that they come to. And I think the kind of things that we've heard from others is, you know, uh, leaders listening into listening to actual direct customers, leaders having kind of very um, regular updates on metrics. What would you add to that mix? You know, given you probably got different, somewhat different ideas as well. What, what, what's your, what's your kind of guidance when it comes to making sure the leaders take notice of CX? Well, I think those are two really important pieces: bringing customers to life, 
with direct communications to customers, videos, vignettes, storytelling, so important. Metrics, vital. But what I'd say is I just confirm that those metrics are not just CX metrics. What we have to do is demonstrate the impact on the business of the actual customer experience. And I see a kind of what I call a path to value where we can link customer experience to operational metrics. So it's quite easy to see in an example, let's take delivery. Uh, 60% of customers are unhappy with late delivery and our operational metrics tell us that we're del- we've got late delivery. So we can we can see that parallel quite easily in some examples, can be harder in others. But then I say, take it another step, understand the impact on the business of that late delivery. Do we have reputational impact? Do we have customers who vow never to buy from us again? Do we end up spending a lot of money on customer support? Do we end up compensating customers? And understanding those impacts and building a business case from those impacts, that leads us to the bottom line. And that's really interesting. And I think it's quite timely as we think about the year ahead. And we're obviously going into a challenging or already in a challenging time. And we've all suffered from late delivery royal mail strikes or whatever other reason i don't think it's just royal mail strikes i think late delivery has been been a reoccurring theme over the last even ever since brexit i think probably even before that you know what what would you kind of pick out about you know what are the kind of key trends that you're talking about with you know with the industry and your clients for me i think there are lots of trends that are quite specific and narrow and i'm really talking more about what i call macro trends things that are evolutions in customer experience. Uh, One of the things I love about customer experience is if every single practitioner you take, well, has a different backstory. Mine's come from quality. Somebody else could be a customer service professional. Younger people in the industry might even have learned about customer experience at university and come through that way. So we all have different backgrounds and things to bring. And that makes our space really vibrant and constantly evolving. And so for me, I think the trends are all about building on what we do well and recognising the things that we need to change. So I think one of the most exciting is the idea that we can measure loyalty directly. And in measuring it directly, we get a better metric, a better understanding of what our customers are thinking. And I'm seeing some really exciting things around loyalty metrics. I think many listeners will be familiar with the Walker Loyalty Matrix and the Temkin Loyalty Index. Now, both of those are the, the matrix is a tool Walker used to understand what they call the stability of the customer base. And the Temkin Loyalty Index is a benchmark that Temkin used with its clients to show them how their customers' loyalty ranks against other businesses. And and what they both do is they move us away from that slightly awkward, would you recommend us question into something a bit more specific, like, are you likely to do business with us again? And uh, Walker go even further and actually say, and how does that compare with behavior? So, So loyalty, I think, is in the moment in a big flux, but a really exciting one as we move away from... MPS to loyalty-based metrics and, and sometimes even trust-based metrics. And how would you go about implementing something like that? It sounds interesting and I, uh, when it comes to loyalty, but talk to me about how a business might actually go and implement something like that. Well, I think you have to start by understanding what loyalty looks like. 
So, you know, recommend is it's a great loyalty question if you're the sort of business people recommend. But likely to do business with, it feels a bit B2B for me, but you have to find the right loyalty metric. Are you going to come back to us next week? Would be great for a supermarket. So, so I think starting by understanding what loyalty looks like in terms of behaviours and understanding that question, and then and then speak to customers, do data mining, use your AI VOC tools to understand what people are saying about you on the internet, in your chats, on surveys, and see where things like "well, I'll never do business with them" comes up, or "I recommend this company to all my friends" come up. So we measure it in the same way. We use it in the way we should use MPS by understanding what is causing loyalty, doing more of it, and understanding what's causing disloyalty, what's causing customers to shop around, to look for an alternative, and fixing those issues. What would you say, you know, loyalty of customer retention is obviously a critical theme that people are talking about as we go into you know, times when people have less disposable income. And I think the definitions of retention could be can be for many, many different reasons. You know, you as, as an expert in the field, what would you say would you pick out when it comes to kind of customer retention on like, what are the key things that and maybe loyalty kind of builds into this? What are the key things that you need to get right to do everything you can to retain the your customers? It's just so simple. Meet their needs, meet customer needs, but don't assume you know what their customer need, your customers' needs are. Step outside your business, listen, listen in a humane way, listen with empathy and understand what customer needs are. Very few people now, I suspect ever, but certainly now very few people judge a business purely on the product or service they buy. They judge it on their end-to-end journey. We can't influence the whole of that journey, but we can do a lot to improve it. We can remove friction. We can act with empathy. We can speak to customers on the channels they want to speak on. We can be prompt with our answers. We can stop putting marketing and commercial above long-term loyalty. And I think there are just so many things we can do, but it varies from business to business. And I certainly wouldn't prescribe something to a company without understanding them in the same way as I wouldn't tell them to prescribe something for their customers without understanding their customers. Yeah, and... I guess meeting customers in at the time in the channel of their needs with speed and quality is what a lot of businesses or hopefully all businesses aspire to. But, you know, we are coming into a challenging time when resources are thin and and, you know, but especially when it comes to customer experience, more pressure is being put on these teams. You know, what, what, what would be your advice to businesses where, you know, top line is being squeezed? So we're looking to find efficiencies in the business, but ultimately the customers are demanding more because they have, they're choosing less. I would say do it well. Look for the efficiencies that will benefit your business and make your business more stable. That That's a given. But in doing that, design those efficiencies with the customer and the employee in mind. So, I mean, we've seen, and I suspect Digital Genius uh, has way more more stories than I do of people turning on chatbots with no background flows, no background content management, and people becoming dissatisfied with service, and the chatbots just not making the efficiency gains that people were hoping for. So I would say pick the things that you know will bring benefits and do them well. 
rather than having a scattergun approach and trying to get efficiencies in a myriad of places. No, I like that. And I think that's, you know, doing a small number of things well is is always better than trying to do every, everything. And the last theme I would love to kind of dig into a little bit here is, you know, we hear this idea that customer experience, customer service should be, should, you know, we're trying to turn it into a profit center, into positive ROI. Now, can you talk through kind of your thoughts on how that specific theme will, will impact, you know, this year and, and, and kind of future years? I'm going to tell you a naughty story, Chris. Not that naughty, but uh, when I <laughs> when I first realised what I was doing was customer experience, uh, when I learned that label, I was in a webinar with a very highly regarded consultancy who purposed and said, and through our survey, we've learned that senior managers want customer experience investments to pay return, and I just kind of thought. Am I in the right place here? Because to me, that's a no-brainer. If this industry doesn't understand that yet, that there's something wrong. Now, since that webinar, the conversation has changed massively, back to the point I made about evolution. So now we're seeing much more sense being made of ROI. We're seeing a lot less of what I call the evangelizing over wow experiences and just the recognition that customer experience is a tool. But I think when we look for ROI, we have to always have that balance, the balance between business, customer, employee, and the balance between short and long term. So sometimes we have to take a hit in the short term to get a long term gain. That's harder today than it is in in times of plenty. We also have to balance financial gain with employee gain and cultural gain. So I think with ROI is don't be all about the money, but recognize the money is an important part of it. Use something like the path to value to understand how you can turn improved customer experience into cash through the door or cost reduction and get out there and do what you've talked about already. Get into the business and tell customer stories. Engage people in the customer experience and help them understand how what they do impacts the customer. Listen to their ideas. Make changes. Start small if that's all you can afford to do. In fact, I'm going to recount that. Don't smart start small if that's all you can afford to do. Start small so that you can understand it and build your CX muscles. I see a lot of businesses leap into CX strategies and massive journey maps and nothing changes for months and months and months. People lose interest, they become disillusioned. I would say, back to what we said before, pick something you can do, do it well, and then be reflective. Think about what you've learned. Think about what you can do next. Ideally, kind of in parallel and in a loop, not stop, start, stop, start. But I say for ROI, it's twofold. Understand which customer experience improvements, if you can call them that, will actually drive bottom line performance. But also go to the business and understand where they need to, and I'm, I'm speaking as if that's two separate bodies, I apologise. Engage with your colleagues in the business, understand their challenges and see how CX can help them deliver. And no, that's, that's it. Yeah, <laughs> that's so important, especially in customer support. No, I think we hear that again here and we hear it with our customers as well. Collaboration, you know, collaboration between teams, making sure CX has a seat at the executive table so that there's really kind of strong collaboration that will help drive ROI, met business metrics and our underlying success. Yeah. 
I think it's interesting about making sure CX has a seat at the table because to me that's another part of the of a, it's a critical success factor, not a goal. And I think that will come about if we demonstrate value. So if we tell ourselves we can't demonstrate value unless we've got a seat at the table, we can never show our, our what we're worth. So I think customer experience can and should take its fate into its own hand and go out and demonstrate value. Deliver value, demonstrate value, and that seat will open up. Not in every business. Not every business will have the cultural maturity to do that. But in more and more businesses, it's happening every day. Yeah, we actually see that. I guess you probably see as well the new title pop up, Chief Customer Officer, and, and it's so actually it happened to. Uh, and I think I can I can shout out one of our customers on the podcast uh, from Music Magpie. Uh, they're a customer of ours, and our kind of head of customer service has now become the chief customer officer and i guess that's good testament to kind of a really successful strategy really affecting business growth absolutely and and yeah totally i think when businesses say oh should we do customer experience let's start with a cxo they can get into that position i described earlier of six months in nothing's happened when when it's organic albeit with some really positive, constructive nudges, organically, you demonstrate the value, the seat comes, the positions come, the um, ability to collaborate grows. Yeah, that's totally on point. So, Michelle, last question I'd ask you today, and we ask this to everyone that comes on the podcast, you know, if there was one brand or retailer or company in the world that you really admire because of the way they treat their customers, their customer experience, who would you say it would be and why? Well, I'm not going to name names because uh, it's it's one of my personal financial organisations. So obviously, I'm not going okay. to tell the world that. But I have observed that virtually every challenger bank or investment house or all the people who look after our money, the step change that has come about over the last probably eight or so years from the traditional organisations to the organisations that have often been set up to address issues of customer experience. That has been phenomenal. And there are organisations where I actually look forward to forgetting my password because then I can have a chat with the with the customer support agent. There are others where if I can't remember my password, I just um, yeah can't close my account because it's easier than trying to reset a password. So I think for me, I just would like to make a big call out to all of those challenger banks, all of those businesses who've said, we want to disrupt our industry by being better at serving our customers. Oh, I, I love that. Michelle, it's been really amazing. If I had to take, I mean, there's still been so many interesting things that we've discussed today. If I had to take three takeaways from today, I would say collaboration. Collaboration is so critical to CX success. i Talk. I, it was interesting your point around linking CX metrics to operational metrics, and I think that that's something that is critical. Again, and the last piece I would take is even when selling kettles, you can link you can link uh, CX to success. Yeah, absolutely. Even kettles. Even kettles. Well, Michelle, it's been amazing having you on. Hopefully, we can welcome you back soon. Thank you so much. Thank you, Chris. The e-commerce customer experience podcast is brought to you by Digital Genius. Digital Genius uses cutting-edge AI technology to streamline response times for support tickets. 
The platform allows for flexible integration to existing systems and control over your processes, while significantly improving key performance metrics. To find out more about Digital Genius and how our intuitive platform combines AI, integrations and workflows to make your customers, team and mailbox happy, head to digitalgenius.com. Also, make sure to search for e-commerce customer experience in Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Google Podcasts or anywhere else podcasts are found. On behalf of the team here at Digital Genius, thank you for listening.